You're listening to a curated podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. Next Monday, if you're fortunate enough to be in the US of A, you will have the opportunity to see and experience a total solar eclipse. It's starting on the western seaboard and working its way right across the country. Mm -hmm. There is the so-called path of totality, and they're expecting that there will be huge traffic jams as people from states above and below that path of totality try to move into the right position to be actually able to experience totality. So if you're above and below it, I think you were saying your parents, John, might be in Canada at the They'll time. Be in Canada, so you'll, you'll, see, you'll see a partial yeah. uh, total eclipse, but to, to get that total darkness when the birds go silent, mm-hmm. it actually is almost a chill in the air. You might get up to about three minutes of totality if you're in the right mm. position along that path. Then uh, it's really quite an, a, a unique experience. And just a couple of little bits of advice. Um, one is obviously try to get to the track of totality if you don't get caught up in a monster traffic jam along the way. It's approximately 113 kilometres wide and moves from the west coast to the east coast, starts up near Salem in Oregon and finishes near Charleston in South Carolina. The eclipse begins in Salem at 9.05 a.m. Pacific time. Totality starts about 10.18 in the morning. And then in Charleston, the eclipse begins at about 1.16 p.m. Eastern time, with totality coming along at about 2.46 p.m. Now, you will need to wear some protective eye wear yeah, don't look directly at yeah, it don't yeah. look directly at it you can get hold of eclipse glasses i believe they're doing a roaring trade mm-hmm. over in the states selling these things so uh, it, it is important that you not view the total eclipse with unprotected eyes however tempting that may be obviously looking through unshielded binoculars or a telescope would uh, or could permanently damage your eyesight make sure you've got some protective eyewear these glasses actually have a black polymer material mounted in cardboard so that you can uh, you can hook them over your ears. They should be polarized as well, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, apparently this is even this is even stronger than that. It's more like sort of welding uh, yeah, welding right. gear, I yep. imagine. That's pretty vital if you want to look at it. The other thing is. Get rid of your camera. Yeah. I've sort of read a few things Keep about this. Keep it in your this. pocket. Keep yeah, it in your I mean, yeah. maybe take your maybe take your smartphone and snap a couple. There'll be plenty of people who'll have really good, you know, professional gear to record this. Mm-hmm. And as you said, there's going to be live feeds. I think on the internet, on, yeah. on YouTube. And For those stuff. of us that can't make the trip over to America mm. to watch this, then there should be. And I do expect whether it be NASA or even if it's just searching on YouTube, mm. there will be a live feed of the eclipse, the total eclipse for yep. sure. Yep. So rather than spending a lot of time fiddling around with cameras of your own, enjoy that three minutes of totality. If you're in the path of totality and you have the opportunity to experience this mm. then don't waste it playing around with cameras it's like you know often and i'm guilty of this myself if you if you're somewhere of interest you can wind up seeing the attraction through a lens rather than through your eyes yeah. and, it, and it is so much better to look at something through your eyes if you possibly can bring yourself to put your camera down we've got more information on our website we've done a podcast on this already called the great american total solar eclipse mm-hmm. so you can go to the website beyondinfinity.com.au if you'd like to find out more about that Moving on in the news, NASA is releasing some fantastic footage from its massive archives, and a lot of this is now publicly available. Apparently, a lot of it's been posted to archive.org. For example, NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston is sharing hundreds of hours of raw video from the space station and other NASA human spaceflight programs, some of it high-definition video uh, and support activities on that website, archive.org. 
this week's releases include footage of the X-15 and the X-40 test flights back in the 1960s, mm-hmm. the Blackbird, which was a recon plane, an amazing, uh, very, very fast reconnaissance a high altitude plane being uh, refueled in midair. Some quite impressive footage of that as well. So always great stuff being posted. They've, they seem to have had a, I don't know a change in policy or a, a certain number of years has elapsed since the footage was was collected originally. Well, it's, it'd but, be about preservation now, and yeah. it would be because I know I watched something on YouTube the other day about some of the nuclear explosions, the testing that they did, mm. a lot of the film that they stored that on. Now, I mean that that's getting on fifty years old at least, maybe 60, 70 years old. Some of it. Mm. So they opened up one. Case and it was turning to dust. Right. So they need to transfer that to a digital presence and then why not share that now? Yeah. I and mean, it's most likely declassified some of this info. Yeah. So just share it out. Yeah. yeah, you can look at high speed camera footage of nuclear testing, whether it's on atolls in the Pacific or yeah. wherever it happened to be, uh, even underground ones. Uh, you can see the effect on the earth. And, and of course, there's some pretty monstrous ones that the Russians did as well. Yeah. So, and as they're not doing testing anymore now, you know, not to that extent that they're doing there or had done there, it's best to take that film so that you can get your measurements and you can do your own analysis based on all that historical data. So mm. it, it definitely need to preserve that information. Well, it's the same with the Apollo footage of the, the moon landings and stuff. That's very old. There's a master copy which was done originally, and then I think the actual the original film mm-hmm. from those Hasselblad cameras that the astronauts carried on their chests, that is, uh, I think it's still in the can. Oh, so right. yeah. hopefully they're doing something to protect that as well. The other thing you can do, which has been going for quite a while, is you can live stream a view of Earth from the ISS. So I've if you want to have something times. on in the background yeah. while you're having a drink with some friends or something, something a bit more interesting than free-to-air television, then then that is also available. Or the old fish cam that they used to have. Yeah, yeah that's right, <laughs> fish cam. Yeah, I think you can probably do that as well. Yeah. Just moving on, a couple more items for me before I hand it over to John. The continent of Antarctica is, a, is, a, is sort of one of the last frontiers left to us. The rest mm-hmm. of the world's been pretty well combed over. They've got treaties which protect it. For example, they banned dogs. A decade or so ago, they, they banned all dogs. And prior to that, they used to use them for dragging um, you know, snow sleds. dogs, for yep. sl- dragging sleds around. And they were very useful animals actually down there. But then they had this uh, international treaty which has, has uh, really sort of tightened everything on Antarctica. There's no mining down there. There's only scientific research and as little footprint as possible from humans to preserve that pristine environment. One thing they have been doing it on the science side is looking using radar to penetrate through the ice to see what's below and and just as with the arctic there's a lot of ice that's melting down there there's huge slabs are falling away and and adding to the possibility of rising sea level around yep. the world it, it is a dynamic place it is being affected by climate change so they are trying to study it as much as possible they've been looking through the ice and they've actually found a bunch of almost a hundred unknown volcanoes lying hidden beneath that ice sheet. The question is, how active are these volcanoes? And that's something that the scientists are focusing on. They can't actually see physically uh, the volcano's peaks because they're hidden underground, but this ice-penetrating radar is allowing them to detect the basalt rock within the ice sheet, and that's the sort of telltale sign that they uh, that there are earthquakes, uh, well, possible earthquakes and possibly active volcanoes as well. Interesting science being done down there. Another little little note, I was reading a bit about Antarctica. Robert Falcon Scott was a, a famous British explorer who, who was unfortunately beaten by about a month 
to get to the South Pole. A New Zealand team has been doing some restoration and conservation work of some of the camps and stuff that were set up by Scott's teams. They actually came up with a box of fruitcake which was still perfectly preserved in mm. you know, a metal tin and then, a, and then some sort of wax paper wrapped around it. And they opened it up and they basically said it was edible. Really? And this is 100 years later yeah, because, wow. it's been sto- because it was full of sugar preservative yep. and it had been frozen solid for so many years. It was basically completely intact. It's been taken to New Zealand where it's being stored in a, fr- a freezer for, for safekeeping while they finished their conservation work. And then apparently it and anything else, any other artifacts that they've found and restored are going back down into these sites to preserve them for posterity just finally and this is this is actually a survey as part of national science week it's australia's biggest smartphone survey so you can get involved in that go to the website scienceweek.net.au as i mentioned in the introduction there's a lot of other things going on other events to get involved in as well some interesting things it's 10 years since the iphone was launched by Steve Jobs. It was the big convergence device. So I can remember the keynote speech where he shows an iPod, then he shows a desktop computer, and then he shows a phone, and he starts merging them into mm. one. And this was the, the idea, it was the big convergence device where a whole bunch of separate devices all went into one. And this is the thing that has revolutionized the world. And it really has revolutionized the world. Wherever you go, yeah. there are people, you go to look at public transport, people are on their phones. Yeah. Uh, in Australia, we have a very high use of, of the phones. I think there's 16 million of them. We're the fourth biggest user on a per capita basis in the world of smartphones. It's 30 years since the first mobile cell call was made in Australia. 84% of Australians now own a smartphone. On average, every Australian smartphone owner uses their phone 30 times a day, and there is a, a very high likelihood that you will replace your phone, possibly with a new iPhone 8 even, later this year, or at least within the next few years. I think the average length of time that people hold onto a phone for before they upgrade it is about two and a half years. Yeah, generally due to uh, the contracts that we have at the moment. Not many, like, there's a few people that buy outright in phone, but it tends to be that you buy a two-year contract and then after that two years, the phone's pretty much fried because, as you say, you're opening it 30 times a day on average and the, the battery is starting to go, so it's a good time to upgrade after it's about two, two and a half years. Yeah. And, and I guess one of the things that they're looking at with this survey, we're trying to shed some light on it, is you know, we're only just starting to understand the impacts that phones are having on our lives, on our relationships and on our kids. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so there's some, probably some fairly sobering stuff to take into account with that. Personally, I'm not trying to preach to people but uh, I think it's very important to limit the amount of time that you spend on these things you know like people use them at dinner you know it's like get rid of the things yeah. you know put it away it's a bit of an unwritten rule we have at home is that you know when there's dinner or you know something important then the phones are away and, and you know don't answer them if the phone's ringing just leave it in the pocket mm. John what have you got for us Ticketmaster, they're huge. Uh, you know, no one's really come close to competing with them. But I, I personally find them a bit frustrating. I don't understand some of the costs that they just continue to add on to the tickets. Uh, occasionally, it's a bit of a clunky site for me. I don't know if that's everybody else's experience. Now it is. Has the parent company of Live Nation, and they're you know the biggest um, online for events, uh, sporting events, uh, concerts, etc. Well, there might be a new competitor in the space, and that being Amazon. So they're looking to partner with venue owners to sell tickets to sporting games, concerts, and other events. So this would be good. There have been other companies that have tried, but they've not come close. I think 
that anyone that's got the best chance will be Amazon. They're trying to get a taste of that $1.6 billion business. Now, just as a side note, Amazon, as we've announced previously, is coming to Australia, and I believe their first warehouse is actually in Dandenong in Victoria. Really? So, yeah, it's been announced throughout there. So. Mm. so faster delivery times will be one of the big things, one of the benefits of that, and, and, and more to choose from. Yeah, look, that that's will be the big line. test. I think that realistically, the way that they will succeed or fail in Australia will be based on how quickly they can get things out, because they may still use the established networks that being Australia Post or other local couriers mm. so uh, unless they want to uh, start their drones get the drones happening and see mm. what happens but mm. I'm not sure if drones would be going from Dandenong to Mornington I'm not sure about that one yeah <laughs> moving on a Russian group that hacked the DNC used an NSA attack code in um, an attack on hotels and this is in Russia so basically a security firm uh, FireEye say they're moderately confident that Russian hacking group known as Fancy Bear or APT28 and other names has used Eternal Blue and this time in a campaign that targeted people of interest as they connected to hotel Wi-Fi networks. So this was for the purpose of gaining the login credentials of guest devices. So they were sort of targeting people of interest, but there was kind of a catch-all. If you happen to be staying in the hotel at the same time as a person of interest, your computer potentially would have been caught up in this. So this is used to steal passwords and then escalate the privileges of that computer. So if you can gain access to that, you can then either create your own user access or you can change the privileges so that you can then you know hack into the machine easier right so it's a bit of a warning uh, to just be careful if you're going to use a wi-fi network at a hotel mm. particularly say for example with banking you don't want to be giving away your banking passwords if you're mm. logging into a ho- hotel network so best not to do banking when you're in that situation <laughs> yeah look it's a tough call because if you're in an international country and you need to transfer money what options do you really have sure. and it's you got know, a sim card it, it, well it's it's that but then there's potential for your phone to be hacked as well we're just highlighting what has been caught up by FireEye. Mm. It's just a word of caution there are many other ways to protect yourself and and I invite listeners to um, to research that online before they do a bit of travel anyway. Yeah. Yep. Now, it, it was announced uh, earlier this year from Google, but it does appear to be rolling out now. And this is the Google Play Protect add-on to Android. Mm-hmm. And this works to continuously keep your device, data, and apps safe. It actively scans your device and constantly improving to make sure that you've got the latest security on your Android phone. Mm. So this... It will automatically add to your device. It is starting to roll out internationally and it will scan the apps and then the data on your phone and then alert you if there's a problem. It will also help if you lose your device and you can sign into your account, say from a desktop, and then maybe delete files or send a sort of a ping out to where it is and then being able to hopefully locate it. Now, if you want to check if you've got this on your phone already, you can go to settings, then Google, then security, and then Google Play Protect, and then you can see which apps were actually scanned automatically and how long So this is included, this this Google Play Protect is actually included with the Android operating system. Yeah, basically what they're, lo- they're looking at is that uh, the Play Store, they want to vet the apps there. We know that there are malicious apps that get through their checks, which is a problem, and they're working on methods to improve that. The App Store is not the only location that you can download for your device, particularly an Android device. Mm. If I can't find a particular app on the Play Store, maybe it's an American version of the app and I want to access that, there are other ways that you can then install that and you allow the installation, you sort of turn off a warning on your phone and you can install it and use it. Okay. And this can present a problem if you are downloading it from a, a site that may have a malicious code in the background. Right. So this is designed to protect your device 
in the event that you're using sort of outside the Play Store apps, or even if you do use Play Store apps, maybe they have been One compromised and then yep. that's supposed to check for it. Right. Now, uh, Consumer Reports, it's a sort of a popular website, uh, consumerreports.org. They will basically advise on tech tools and, and, and things that might be useful or maybe not so useful. And one of their recent recommendations is to uh, not get these Microsoft Surface laptops and tablets. Basically, they've said that the problem is predicted reliability with an estimated two-year breakage rate of around about 25%. Mm-hmm. This is a problem because you don't want to be you know, having to replace your laptop every two years. You should get a few more years out yeah. of that. And you, don't, you certainly don't want it to be you know, breaking down. Mm. Uh, so basically, they've come out and said they cannot recommend any other Microsoft laptops or tablets because of poor predictability, <laughs> uh, predicted reliability in comparison to most other brands. Mm. So they're saying you're better off going and getting something else, whether it be a, a Mac or an Asus or you know, some other... Gee, they've uh, had a lot brand. of problems, haven't they, with, that, with the Surface in particular? Yeah. You know, it, I, mean, I thought it was the most recent ones that had finally come good. Well, this is the one where they've promoted pretty heavily mm. and I think supposed to be their saviour. Mm. But basically, Consumer Reports have said this applies to Microsoft devices with detachable keyboards such as the new Surface Pro released in June mm. and the Surface Book as well as the company's Surface laptops and conventional clamshell and that's an designs. international website. That's right, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll have a link in the show notes so mm. people can read up on that a bit more. Mm. And just finally, uh, just a ScamWatch segment this week. Now, Coles and Woolworths gift card scams. So Coles and Woolies, big, um, you know, big retailers in the country the two yep. biggest yep. most people here in the country will be doing their shopping through one of these two stores it's not uncommon to receive whether it be a fake text message or an email scam which is claiming an offer which might be a gift card so we know that you can go into these stores and buy legitimate gift cards but what uh, these scammers are doing is sending out you know okay you've won or here's your free gift card and so if you receive an email offering a free gift card it's confirmed as a fake. Mm. So it's best to report that fake uh, offer to the Australian Consumer and Competition Commission. And also you can submit that through to the Woolworths hoax inbox. This does help to police it a bit because the more people that actually submit these issues, they can then hopefully help out to prevent them. It's reported that Australians lost around about $127,000 in cases of unexpected winnings and prize scams, and 47% of these are coming from text message offers, and that was reported in June 2017. This is no doubt increasing with frequency and sophistication. The reason I brought this up was because there was a recent issue with payments through Woolworths, Mm. where one of the companies that was responsible for processing payments earlier this year had reprocessed those transactions only I think about a week ago and so this meant that people were double charged and there was in cases where people might have spent say $300 a few months ago and then just last week again another $300 came out right, and so- they received nothing for that it was just taken out of their account <laughs> Unfortunately, it looks like some of these scammers have then targeted, well, just basically sent out a blanket message which says, we're sorry for taking your money. In return, here is a free gift voucher and probably of a higher value, so maybe $500 or $1,000 and claiming that as compensation. Well, this is also fake. So be very careful before you click any links. Always go back to the Woolworth site or the Coles site. They potentially could be caught up in this kind of scam in future, we don't know. And if you're not sure, make a call, make a phone call mm. and that's probably the easiest thing to do yeah the, yeah. the double 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 scam yeah thanks for listening and head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media we welcome your feedback and suggestion for future shows <laughs>